Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello, and welcome to Retire Right with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Today, Larry's brought in a great guest. Our guest is Albert Hakim. Albert Hakim is a certified merger and acquisitions advisor with Kensington Company. He is also an entrepreneur with over 25 years of experience across many diverse business segments, including retail, national mail order, wholesale and distribution, web-based businesses, as well as having spent time in the corporate world as head of corporate sales at a publicly traded company. While a generalist at the Kensington Company, he is mainly focused on the lower middle market companies with revenues of $1 to $30 million. Gentlemen, how are you today? I'm doing great, Eric. Wonderful. Thank you, Eric. Wonderful. Larry, you, you brought Albert in today. How did this relationship start? How, why, why are you bringing on to the podcast? Today? So I think, you know, this is a retire right podcast, but we do have a lot of listeners who are business owners or um, accountants and attorneys who uh, have business owner clients. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be a great idea to bring Albert on and, you know, talk about if you're thinking about, you know, your business and retiring, what, you know, what are some things you should, you should think about? All right, Larry, I own my own business. I'm not thinking of retirement yet, but I'm going to take notes. So have at it. Let's go. (laughs) Okay. So Albert, you know, why don't we start off, you know, why is a business exit a relevant subject uh, for, you know, for the podcast that we're talking about today? So great. Thank you, Larry. A business, uh, especially a small business is usually the largest asset that uh, somebody develops over time, uh, you know, they could acquire real estate, but generally their business ultimately is the largest illiquid asset that they own. So when you're thinking about retirement, you really want to think about how do you get that illiquid asset ready and prepped so that it can become liquid and then use it in retirement planning or you know, whatever else you have in mind for the future. So, yeah, so when you say prep it for, you know, for retirement and, you know, an illiquid asset to an asset. I mean, I'm a business owner, you know, as as well, you know, what should you be thinking about? What should you be doing? So that, that is the question. And uh, I really appreciate being here and being able to address it. The unfortunate thing in my world is I get so many business owners who come to me way too late and they've never really thought about preparing their business. And in the end, They simply don't have a sellable asset. There's really nothing that can be done with it. So a typical mistake is a seller that wears all of the hats in the business. They're the buyer. They're the seller. They they have all of the specific knowledge about how to do this or that. And they're very proud, as I was in my own business, of Mm -hmm. having all of this knowledge. But then there's no way to get somebody else to duplicate that. So it basically dies with them. So... My number one suggestion, what should one do when thinking about preparing your business for sale, is make sure that someone new stepping in can actually come in and and execute on anything going on in your business, meaning you have a good management team, you have good procedures and processes. There's something for someone to step into and be able to now you know, take that and take off with that business. So what you're saying is you, you, you want to create the business that it can run without the business owner involved on a daily basis, correct? That is correct. And in fact, the most valuable businesses are exactly those. 
uh, if a business owner can take six months off during the year, he's probably got a great business that he's running. If the business owner can't take a vacation, he's probably in trouble. Yeah. So how do you get the business owner who's basically says, uh, nobody else can do it like me. I got to do everything. How do you kind of get them to one, do that? And also, you know, spend some money, I guess, to hire some other employees. So I have tremendous faith in business owners. I believe that if you show business owners the right path, and and for a business owner, that might mean the money, when they get a, a sense of how much money they're possibly leaving on the table by not taking the proper steps, then they might act. Somebody doesn't want to act if somebody, like you said, says, ah, listen, this is how, what I know. This is how I'm running it. I'm going to die like this. God bless you. Then that's probably what's going to happen. And you probably won't be a prime candidate for an exit, but you lived your life the way you want to live your life. So those that do want to monetize their business and those that do want to make those changes, and sometimes it's very subtle to go from uh, you know, not such a great valuation to a pretty strong valuation, we can absolutely show them how to do it. And I think uh, if we have time in this podcast, we'll touch on a couple of those things. Well, why don't, without obviously naming names, can you give us an example? Were you able to you know, do that for a business? So sure. Every business has different circumstances. We're in a transaction recently, happened to be a jewelry manufacturing business. And the owner invested heavily in his equipment. And I think, I think the number was about $20 million in equipment, and he wanted to sell, and he thought that he, you know, he'll sell his equipment at $20 million and then have a successful exit. Well, guess what? Nobody wants the equipment. Nobody's looking at that equipment. They want to talk about the sales. So what we ended up doing was finding a path for him to unload his equipment, and we were able to sell his routes. And that's how we were able to kind of make his transition. Another case, which might be a little easier uh, for the audience to understand, is we had a service business that uh, had tremendous growth. And this business was in commercial cleaning. So the first year, they did about 400000 in revenue. Second year, they went up to about a million five. Year three, they did nearly $4.2 million, and now they wanted to exit. They came to us. We studied it, and we told them, guess what, guys? We can't sell your business. Hmm. The problem was... of their business was one customer. Customer concentration. Very few people are going to look at that as a positive situation. If that customer goes away, the business goes away. So what we were able to craft with this particular client Mm -hmm. was we helped them acquire another company. That was the right strategy for them. Go purchase another cleaning company that's not so concentrated, that has hundreds of smaller accounts. Uh, we did that. We got their customer concentration down to about 40% by, the, by this acquisition. And we had a $10 million exit for this company. Very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, those are all great, you know, great points. You know, how far in advance do you say, you know, you should start, you know, thinking about, you know, thinking about this or you should really do it, you know, from day one? So, right. Exactly. This is a question for Eric. The The classic answer is you should start thinking about, your exit from the moment you start your business. And the reason for that is it helps you set your goals. What is my goal? Like a lot of people go into business without really thinking this through and they go, you know what, I'll do this and maybe I'll hand it off to my kids. My kids will want to take the business. 
And the reality is nothing can be further from the truth in, in terms of the data. And then they don't end up building the business to achieve their goal. So most of us don't think about the business exit from that perspective. So my other answer is you need three to five years. It takes three to five. If you're going to make a meaningful change, mm -hmm. you, you need to be able to make that change and then be able to quantify it you know, to the new purchaser, especially if what we're talking about is a more sophisticated purchaser like a private equity company or a family office. The other reason you really want to start thinking about this is so you can make the little moves, even if it's going to be a sale to a private individual. You know, you run a pizza business, for example. Mm -hmm. You've been doing things your way all your life. You know, maybe you buy everything in cash, you sell everything in cash. But now you think you want an exit. Well, guess what? You know how difficult it's going to be to sell that business? You know, so maybe three years out, you know, you start documenting. You really start putting everything on paper and you start preparing the financials properly. You'll have a much easier and more satisfying exit. Hmm, great. Now, those are all, you know, those are all great thoughts. You know, you know, in my own practice, and one of the things that we talk about with some other advisors, we always talk about working on your business instead of working in your business. And, and, and it's so true, you know, as I get closer to that exit strategy, although I'm not quite there yet, you know, you start thinking about, okay, you know, can the business run without you? And how do you set, you know, how do you set that, you know, set that up? Any other, you know, advice you would give someone, you know, you know, looking to prepare their business for sale? Sure. I have plenty of advice. <laughs> well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> so, so look, I, if I have to really z zero in on the key things is one, you got to take a look at the sector that you're in. Right. If you're in a dying sector, like if you're in the business of making Rolodex cards, you, you, you got to do something about that. You're not going to be valuable on an exit at all. So, so you look at your sector. So let's just take an assumption that we're in an okay sector. Um, you know, I used food earlier. So let's say we're, we're, we're in a food business. You take a good look at your operations. You take a look, good look at your management structure. And you have to start to think about you know, weaning away and giving more responsibility to others. But at the same time, the most important thing one can do is involve your professional advisors. This is the time to call you, get your CPA involved, get your attorney involved. What are the, the skeletons that have to be addressed? And let's get them addressed before we have to find out about it at a closing table and, 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 a, and a deal blows up. So get your house in order, tap into the professionals. I include myself in that group because what I can do for business owners is really show them what the end looks like. In other words, what companies are getting those nice valuations and why? What companies are not getting those nice valuations and why? And then it's up to them if they want to make those meaningful changes alongside their CPAs and advisors and so on. You know, I meet a lot of business owners, Larry, who don't know how to do anything different. They've run it a certain way. They can't make those changes, but would like to. And in that case, what's a really good recommendation for them is to bring in somebody hands-on, maybe, maybe a, a hands-on CFO, or maybe, maybe it's a business coach, maybe it's a strategist. I'm not a consultant, 
But like you, I have a lot of resources of good professionals to help that particular business at that time. If I'm still on this track about what they can do, I would say take a look at your revenue model. It's so important. To the extent that you can develop within your business some level of recurring revenue so that an acquirer can have some semblance that there will be some business there, it makes you so much more valuable. And you know that, that could be contracts, that could be service, repetitive service, that could be membership, there could be any number of different models, but if we can have some level of predictability on the revenue, it drives valuation way up. Mm. And that's interesting. So uh, are there any like sectors that you, you work work with and kind of specialize specialize in? So sure. So because of my background, I'm, I'm pretty strong in, in retail, wholesale, and distribution. And I've also gotten involved in a few very good service sectors. So distribution distribution companies of all kinds, food distribution, durable goods, non-durable goods, distribution. Distribution is a wonderful business and it has a lot of value to an acquirer because distribution generally means you're supplying goods and services to people who need it. So they need that regular repeat, you know, whether it's the restocking of the shelves on food products or it's, you know, distribution of tires and automotive parts or any other kind of necessary product. So I focus a lot on distribution companies. In my time at Kensington, I've happened to become a specialist in pest control, as well as childcare. And if you want to go into those <laughs> sectors, don't ask me. Uh, I, actually, I do know how I got to that. But there, there's a common theme throughout all of it. If you take pest control as an example, recurring contractual revenue, mm-hmm. regular service, predictable income, and then it's a question of operations and, you know, growing the business. So they're getting great multiples. If I can make the plug, if there are any pest control companies or people who are connected to pest control companies who are, that are listening at this moment, I'm very, very active with some major and local acquirers. I can't get enough of them. Everybody wants them. They want to grow through acquisition. So you mentioned multiples. So uh you know, give our audience an idea, you know, I guess multiples of it's multiples of profit that you're talking about or multiples so, of revenue. So th- it, everything depends on size and sector, but most businesses are valued on a multiple of profits that you keep, mm-hmm. right? Not gross profits, net profits, uh, EBITDA, SDE, seller's discretionary earnings, basically what the owner can take out of a business can be anywhere from one time earnings to five times, six times, seven times. It really does vary. That's of earnings, though. The multiples of profit would be higher. So let's address that. Okay. So if you take your local pizzeria, and don't don't ask me why I'm picking on pizzerias, Mm -hmm. maybe you'll get two times earnings, maybe two and a half. If Mm -hmm. it's really, really special, maybe three. You buy a Dunkin' Donuts today, they're trading at eight to ten times earnings. Mm. Makes no sense to me why if a, a Dunkin' Donuts earning $100,000 would sell for a million dollars, I would never buy one, but people are online trying to get those. I think it's because of you know the, 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 the thinking that all I've got to do is turn on the lights right. and I'll have business. I don't have to go get business. The, there are some businesses that are trading now on multiples of revenue. 
like for example, pest control, is trading on a multiple of revenue that would translate to 12, 14, 16 times earnings in some cases. That, that's how much activity is going on in, um, in that sector. So, so it's, I guess what you said before, it's important to not only bring your net profit up, but also bring your revenue up. It's going to increase the multiple that you're going to get. So, so let me qualify that. We never know until we make the right match why somebody is buying someone else's business. You could be, you could have no profits, you know, or no net profits, but you have something that's very, very valuable to the acquirer. Maybe it's your customers, maybe it's your staff, maybe it's your product, maybe you're, you know, you have some kind of uh, unique uh, positioning in the marketplace. So there may be something very attractive to about your business to an acquirer where that rule that we just spoke about for five minutes about the, the multiple of earnings doesn't even apply. You know, they will buy your business because there's something that you have that makes a lot of sense that if we bring that into their world, they can monetize that. So what I tell business owners, very simply, speak to the professionals. Don't think your business is worth a fortune and don't think your business is worth nothing. You know, you don't know what people are looking for until, you know, one goes in there and really, you know, understands the business. Interesting. So you mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, about, you know, about children, uh, you know, and most business, you know, transition to, to children. Now, I don't know the exact numbers, but, um, you know, I've heard a lot of those stories where they, they just don't, it just doesn't work. You want to uh, elaborate on that? Sure. It, it, it's one of the biggest problems in small business. I, I, you know, if I can, it was, it's, it's, an, it's my personal story too. My father had a small business and I went on to do my own thing. I never knew until later when it was too late that he really wanted me to take over. He didn't speak to me about it. We never had a discussion. I didn't know. So many business owners just make the assumption that their kids will take over their business or that their kids will want to go into their business. The data goes the other way completely. The kids are going to college, they're going to school, they're getting educations, and that's what parents want, right? That's why we work so hard. We send our kids to school. They generally don't want to go into the family business. You know, if you look at uh, the markets, look at NASDAQ, look at uh, the New York Stock Exchange, how many third generation businesses are there? Yeah, it makes it, you know, you know, difficult. I mean, I've got three children now all out of college and... You know, if if they had shown or wanted to show interest in here, it would be difficult because it's not just one. So, you know, it, it definitely I can definitely see that being more, much more you know complicated. It, it, and you know, it's emotional, it's financial. It, there's so much you know wrapped up into it. There's no there's no straight answer. But you know what might be illuminating to your listeners, and you know, I. I, I and maybe I can give this to you for, to put out later. There was a wonderful book written about family business, and I heard the speaker, and I, I love his thinking. His thinking is, why are we so emotionally invested in the business? We should be emotionally invested in giving the money to the next generation, not the business. The business may be fraught with problems. It, ha- may, it may not be viable in another 10 years as you know our world changes. So... Focus on the transition of wealth, not the transition of the business. 
And yeah, I guess a lot of a lot of people have you know started a business, created the business, want to see it kind of live on after them. So they having a personal attachment to this rather than monetizing it when they you know when they you know when they can. So so if you were in the taxi cab medallion business and wanted to have that emotional attachment and pass that on to your children, they're jumping off bridges, right? You just don't know. The world might change on you. Who knew that that, that, that would happen and you know, that whole industry would be undermined? So that, that's the message. You, right. you, you cannot predict the future. Right. So tell me a little bit about you know, how Kensington you know, works because sure. I'm still not, I'm not exactly clear exactly how you and Kensington work. With We have a listener out there that's you know, thinking about getting closer to retire, in retirement or just wants to succeed out. You know, if they wanted to contact you, you know, what, what, what do you offer them? So the very first thing is I get to understand who they are what's going on in their business and really what they have in mind in terms of a goal. And you'd be surprised how many businesses I meet with that once I, I get into the business, the, the, the pathway to an exit for them might be through an acquisition, not just a straightforward exit. So I have no preconceived formula for how we're going to treat that. But what they will get from me is an honest assessment of their business. I actually have tools that I'll talk about you know, if business owners want to go and try to get a gauge of what their business is worth, and we provide those tools at no charge. Since I'm talking about it, it's called a sellability score. And they can go to our website, www.kensingtoncompany.com forward slash sellability. And they can go take an assessment. It's a wonderful tool that um, took real data with real algorithms uh, from 20,000 businesses that sold and how those businesses answered these particular questions, about 15 minutes, they answer those questions. And right away, they get uh, a gauge of you know, zero to 100 of where they sit relative to other businesses who answered the same questions and what those businesses sold for. So they get you know, a very quick snapshot of, of, of possibly you know, the value of their business. So I try to give them that. In terms of today, if we were to sell today, what's going on in your business? What would it look like? What might an exit look like? Where do I think the range would fall in terms of finding you a, a buyer? And what method of going to market will we use? Do we go out with a price? Do we not market it with a price? Do we do a, a closed sale, You know, a bidding situation? We have multiple ways of generating interest. And, you know... The question that I ask that people uh, are usually very surprised by is, what do you want to do? What do you want to do when, you, when you're done with your business? Right. Yeah. Same question that I ask when I'm talking to people about their financial planning and their investments. That's really what I basically tell them. You know, paint me a picture of your life five years from now. Exactly. Years right. from now. And it may very well be that the, what their pain and the reason they're calling me is maybe the, the way they're running their business is just overburdening them, but they love what they do in certain aspects. They don't like other aspects. So the answer may be get somebody in there, acquire their business, keep them on for a few years doing what they love to do. And you know they don't ride off into the sunset and go play golf. They continue. And so I try to discover that. I try to have successful exits for my clients. 
I try to understand their timeline. I try to understand their appetite for making change, if that's really what's prescribed. And we try to point them in the right direction in terms of maximum value if we're going to go to market. So you said before, you're not really a consultant. So when so they come to you, you're kind of giving them advice, packaging this to them, getting them to a point where you're then going to assist them in the sale. Is that yes. what, what so, so that, works? That's what we do. So then we go out, we create the marketing materials, we create the deck, the book that we're going to use to generate interest in somebody purchasing this company. We get very targeted. If it's a niche business, we try to figure out who would want this and why and where it would fit. And then we, we, you know, we reach out to them and then we go try and make good matches. So we facilitate the meetings with the buyers and the sellers. We help with the negotiations. We do the letter of intent. We help with the lawyers uh, insofar as they'll let us in the contract mm-hmm. process and try to see this the, and try to manage the transaction through to a successful closing. Yeah. So it sounds like you really enjoy what you're doing, Albert. Uh, I, I love what I'm doing. I make a real impact in business owners' lives. And I, I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's wonderful having been on the other side to be doing this now because I've sold businesses, my own businesses. I am a business owner. So I know how to speak to business owners. And I love when I'm able to deliver an outcome that makes them that enables them to get to the next stage in their life. It's, it's very rewarding. Oh, that's great. So anything else you kind of want to add before we wrap up today? So the, there's, there's a ton I can talk about, but what's an interesting trend that I think might be appropriate for this segment, since we are talking about retiring, is that one of the most active groups that I'm working with today are seniors. And the trend kind of goes like this. Senior buyers? Senior buyers. You know, somebody has a business 20, 30 years. That business gets sold. They test retirement. They can't stand it. Or, you know, they need more funds because they're living longer. Mm -hmm. So they come back into the business world, but they're buying easier businesses. They're buying semi-absentee businesses. They're buying franchises, which have systems and, and procedures in place. They don't have to reinvent everything something that they can manage and still play golf and still do the things that they, they want to do. And I think that that's a, an illuminating trend. So people are selling the difficult businesses, buying easier businesses. That's very, that's very interesting. Um, I would never have thought that, you know, there'd be a spike up in the seniors buying, uh, seniors buying businesses. Yeah. So I think uh, for your listeners, we, we are very active in franchising and there are many semi-absentee franchises where, you know, think about, I'll give you a quick, simple example in the world of health and wellness. So, you know, exercise, beauty, uh, all, all kinds of concepts where they don't want the owners in there. They want managers, they want instructors, they want whatever, whatever the business model calls for. And the role of the owner is to stay in the background. That's his role. Drive the marketing, manage the managers, don't run the business. That sounds uh, sounds like a nice position to be in. Yeah. So, Albert, I appreciate all the you know all the time today and all the insights today. I've learned uh, I've learned a lot. How about you, Eric? Uh, completely. Yeah, I have uh, lots of notes, and uh, I know that uh, obviously just from this conversation, there's a lot more that I need to learn. So, 
Yeah, I'm glad you're a good resource. So for you know, for our listeners out there that are either contemplating selling their business or not even there yet, even just want to have a conversation with with Albert, you, you know, long before to see how you could make your business a little bit more profitable. And for those, I mean, even for those seniors out there that are thinking about uh, purchasing a uh, a business, Albert is a great resource for that. You can reach Albert at his company, Kensington Company and affiliates at 516-626-2211. Or you can email Albert at albert at kensingtoncompany.com. Albert, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Eric. Albert, fantastic. Thank you so much. I learned a ton, like I said. And and lastly, we always thank you, the audience, for listening to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if your parents are just kind of golfing and not enjoying it and they want to buy a business, you know where to go. So make that contact, make that phone call, reach out to Larry, reach out to Albert. One of them can definitely give you the answers. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Heller Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.